This is the Launchtime Podcast, hosted within CIC. A 30-minute show about starting your own business, but fits in your lunchtime, hence the name Launchtime. Hi, Lorenzo. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm starting right off. So today we have two amazing guests, uh, which are John Tillema, who is the founder of multiple companies into the realm of the Internet of Things. And second is Laurens van Weesep, who is uh, actually uh, organizing an event that is about watching the movie Jaws on a boat in a lake in the city center of Rotterdam. Couldn't be much more interesting than that, right? No, let's let's, <laughs> let's dive right in. <laughs> yeah. And today's guest is John. John is a 31-year-old know-it-all. Not in a negative way, but in the way of being a true autodidact. Entrepreneur from his roots and started multiple businesses. Seriously, his resume is long. Background in both mechanical engineering and industrial product design, but also renowned as a Dutch champion in cat drawing. With a D, is that... Uh, he even went to Asia as a 20-year-old to compete in the World Championships. But today he's a founder and hardware lead of the Things Network, Trist Energy and CEO at Tweetonig. And guess what? All three are enabling Internet of Things in different ways. Jan Tillema, welcome. Well, good afternoon. We're going to start off the interview with our segment that is called Alternative Facts. So we're going to get, present you some of the statements and you can say if they're fake news or not. Uh, and they're a simple yes or no is sufficient. I'm see, I see you're reading my text, actually. But it, <laughs> it should be a surprise. Uh, a simple yes or no is sufficient. And if you want to elaborate, you can do it afterwards. So I'll start off with the first one. The Internet of Things is just another buzzword. There is no future in doing business here. That's are two facts. <laughs> it's a buzzword, yes. But can there is a future in. Okay. Smart cities will never happen. Too many parties are involved. No. Smart cities should happen regardless whether parties are involved. Yeah, they should. Everybody needs an IoT-connected fridge. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> needs a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> using the Internet of Things is not a consumer thing, but it's an enterprise wonder child. Uh, yes, for now, yes. But we do have a Nest thermostat hanging in our homes, actually, so that's one of the first products, but you said no on the, on the fridge. <laughs> Why is that? No, I mean, there is a big market for consumer tech, of course, with IoT, but uh, what you see now right now is that there is a big, uh, I mean, th there's only a, a vast majority of early adapters that use it. Uh, if you look at companies like Pebble and so, they, they are failed to make the leap to make the, the big uh, introduction. You see now, of course, lots of smart home speakers, which is next, the, the new big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to see how it works out. I think I IoT is a buzzword in, in general, so mm -hmm. it's a way too generous word. Uh, it's like a real large word. umbrella, right? It's yeah. way too large. So if you look at it, yeah, internet-connected hardware. Uh, we live in an era that everything that is indeed connected, but IoT by itself doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's what you do with the connection, uh, how do you leverage that, what do you make out of it? And for us, that's actually where the most interesting things. I mean, the internet itself wasn't that important. It was the importance of how many new business models got out of it and how, how things evolved from there. I mean, nobody expected that up front. And we actually, if we look at internet of things, for us, it means uh, how can we leverage the technology in these new business fields uh, and see what we can do with it. The wins that you can make with connected hardware and using it smart and uh, mm -hmm. leverage that on a, on a cloud-based network where you have more and more data and the intelligence that come out comes with it. I mean. It's just so big and so, uh, as a company, you can't not uh, use it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, before we get too far in smart cities and stuff, we will at the end of the podcast or uh, near the end. Uh, I wanted to start with the question, John. Uh, what is your daily routine? Where, where do you start? 
your day. Waking up by uh, my little son's uh, screaming for his mother or his father, <laughs> uh, wanting his first meal of the day. Yeah. And the next thing, I'm asking actually because you have you have multiple companies you're True, involved. Yeah. So my next question is, where do you get your coffee? At Trist Energy, Tweetonig, or the Things Network? Oh, that's actually uh, Tweetonig, okay. uh, which is actually the main company. That's the the mother mm-hmm. the mother company for us. That's where we do all the smart things, where we have all the big brains sitting, uh, all the nerds playing around with hardware. Actually, where all ideas start. For us, that's actually our our playground. And some of times in this playground, uh, great ideas form. I mean, a lot of the times they fail, uh, like a sandcastle, but some of the times some will turn out really, really great. And then there is a time that some of these companies need to be taken off the playground into a more commercial environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then it makes sense to get them out of the company, especially out of my hands. Okay, (laughs) but what is Tweetone? Uh, We call ourselves a research and development agency for connected hardware. Mm -hmm. So you are the R&D facility for IoT? Okay, but not only IoT, but that's where you go along with. Uh, that's why we call it embedded hardware. Mm-hmm. We focus only on electronics and embedded software, and it's not only connected hardware. It, it could also be uh, more on deep learning or an edge computing or whatever kind of hashtag you're using right now. Uh, how big is Tweetonig? Uh, what what would should we should we think about? Uh, we are now with 22 engineers. Okay. 22. Like 22. I, I remember that you said like a year ago you were with like two or three people or something. Yeah, uh, we in a year and a half we grew from uh, from only the two founders and a couple of freelancers to where we are now. So, but but how do you do that? How can you grow in <laughs> a year? To t- because if you're listening to this podcast and you're starting your business, then like growing from two to twenty in. Uh, you should know that before we start growing, actually we uh, we have been a long journey to find our. Uh, our our company actually we were just uh, mm-hmm. two college mates uh, that wanted to do a business together but we wanted something that we are think uh, is fun mm-hmm. um, and something that uh, there is like a need for when we look back from day one we actually were doing connected hardware those kind mm-hmm. of things but it took us around three years to get to that point where we hire our very first employee and uh, after that we never looked back so after you added your focus that was the moment that you start lifted, launched uh, like that was your launch time. <laughs> yeah, that was my <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, nice. it, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Before that, we, we experimented a lot with uh, with freelancers and we, mm-hmm. we got a better understanding of what we want to do. We got a loyal base of customers and clients mm-hmm. and well, like it, a foundation of the company. It grew, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you look back now, it all makes sense. That was like, oh, very logical to do it. But mm-hmm. at the moment, it was like we just did what our gut tells us and Mm-hmm. And there was also a certain amount and point in time where you said, well, okay, it's all fun and games now, but where do we want to go? Do we really want to make this thing off? Then yeah, we are uh, a knowledge-based company, so we do research and development, and mm-hmm. our people are our biggest asset. So mm. uh, on one of these times, you have to decide to make a decision to hire those people and get them inside mm-hmm. your company and make sure that, they, uh, that, that you grow that asset. Um, and that's what we did. And you're stationed in Rotterdam. Is there a particular reason you're stationed here? Uh, well, there are a lot of reasons, but uh, I think we're just from here. So, hoping for like one big yeah, story yeah, about <laughs> about how amazing the innovation no, culture uh, is here. Yeah, it it is. It, it really is. I mean, I think the mentality of, of Tweetonig is really something in Rotterdam. Is it, what mm-hmm. in Dutch called we called niet lullen maar which no means, nonsense. Yeah, no, no nonsense. So, I mean, that's what we. I think we are. We are, we are a couple of. Uh, engineer freaks that just want to build stuff we just we don't want to talk about it actually i hate being talked about it like right now we, mm-hmm. we just want to be there <laughs> in our lab and, and just build stuff try things mm-hmm. on uh, just give us the hardest challenge in the world and we'll try mm-hmm. to fix it yeah because you did some work for dell i for remember uh, because you told me in a previous conversation can you please explain uh, the example of the product you made for for dell uh, yeah that's that's a funny example actually uh, mm-hmm. first we had a 
crazy Friday afternoon at our office. That's how it all started. <laughs> and most of the things project started. And actually, we were just brainstorming about touchscreen interfaces and how uh, a lot of hardware devices actually got filtered away now because everything can be done on an iPad with flexible mm-hmm. layouts, which is great. This was the promise that everybody, like, th- that was... Wanted, with, yeah, right? With a touchscreen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one button, which is yeah. touchscreen, right? But yeah. the problem yeah. is that the tactile feedback that you made with all these things. So we started out, look, it was a very simple idea. Why don't we make, like, knobs that you can put on your touchscreen so that you have the flexible layout of your touchscreen but still have the tactile feedback? Mm-hmm. Well, that evolved, actually, in a separate spin-off company with its own Kickstarter. Tuna knobs are control knobs that work on any touchscreen. I'm John from Petona, and together with Samuel, we try to make the tuna knobs a real thing. And I think it was like four years ago, something like that, that we had uh, some success with that. Mm-hmm. Sure, and then Dell came in. And then actually uh, we were approached by Dell saying, well, if you're working on that kind of interfaces on touchscreens, I mean, we are working with that as well. So we started working together. And the, the beauty of it is that you don't know what's coming out of it. You, uh, I mean, we did some stuff and we, you know, we presented and everything was fine, but then yeah, you, they don't know. They are not telling you what they're doing with it. And no. for this kind of project, for this kind of clients, yeah. like 80, 90 percent of everything that's been made uh, goes somewhere in the drawer. It's yeah. get mm-hmm. patented. And but with, with this, with this, with this, it was did they do anything? Yeah, with the, it? this January actually. So a couple of years later, uh, we were surprised as well that they presented their Canvas uh, interface. Introducing Dell Canvas. You'll create communicate and express your thoughts and ideas as naturally as on paper. You deserve a better professional tool. Well, here it is. For sometimes it's, especially if I'm explaining what we do from, to my parents, I mean, mm-hmm. these are examples that so, that... so you tell your parents, like, I wake up, my son is calling me <laughs> in my bed, <laughs> and then I open my phone and I launch my tech website and I see a product that is launched like by a major company such as Dell. And that's one of your spin-offs of your prototypes. Yeah, in this case, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how we normally work, of course. You can imagine that this technology, because it takes so, lo- so much time mm-hmm. to work, uh, we are always working like two, three, maybe four years uh, upfront in the technology itself. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, any other product or company you work with uh, which incorporates IoT? Uh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about another client? But, no, but PipeLife actually is a European uh, market leader uh, in uh, PVC ground uh, pipes for water and uh, gas. Sewage and stuff, yeah? Sewage, no, uh, drink water. Oh, and drink uh, water, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, gas. So, uh, I mean, every city, um, everybody uses this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is that what they transport, uh, water and gas, is uh, is really, really cheap. So normally they d- it's cheaper than electricity, but which gets mm-hmm. monitored quite a lot. But the thing is with gas and water, is especially with water, if you don't have it, uh, there's like real lives involved uh, for hospitals and everything else. So actually you can prevent uh, break da- breakdowns and stuff Leakages like that? Leakages, breakdowns, uh, yeah. So actually you made a smart water grid kind of solution. Yeah, that if you were in the hashtags, that's how you would <laughs> call it. <laughs> but you've created a twist as well, a light energy, because Every uh, device, uh, IoT device, needs energy. Yeah, Trist is, uh, I think, one of my new pet projects, yep. uh, which is actually getting larger and larger than a pet project should. So we spent last year developing this module, especially for you, with our team of engineers right here in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And actually, we are way too curious to see what you are going to build with Trist. Uh, normally, by now, which the which amount of, pet, of Trist is, uh, we, we should have... Uh, waved it goodbye and have somebody else step in as a CEO and take the role on it. But Trist is actually way too interesting for us and it goes so close to what we really believe. Uh, Trist actually solves the problem of having batteries in IoT connected hardware. It sounds pretty easy, but 
I mean, oh, actually, it sounds um, so. We it don't need like a long shot, and it's not for everything. I mean, our slogan is uh, "Never use batteries ever again," and the, which is clearly our goal. Uh, we are not there, like not really close. Mm-hmm. But we have IoT products, and these IoT products are really, really energy efficient. They always have been. Uh, so with a normal set of batteries, they would last for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, three, four, five years are not exceptional for IoT, which so is there is no problem, right? Uh, that's the thing. That's what everybody always said. But as soon as, if you're doing IoT for pilots and proof of concepts, and nobody else would complain. I mean, you have a pilot for a year, no problem at all. Yeah. But what you see now is that since IoT is already around for quite a time, and mm-hmm. uh, the real business cases are should be closed by now, and uh, batteries kill business cases. I mean, uh, you have now hardware that you have to replace, or at least have to replace the battery every three to five years, which makes it hard to make the whole payback or earn out time of this hardware for three to five years uh, because changing batteries in the field the battery itself is not the cost it's the, somebody has to go there so let's say you have hundred thousand uh, sensors there's there has to be hundred thousand batteries to yeah and replaced. then imagine that this these are like our parking spot sensors in the city yeah. each par- each parking spot has a battery which at the time of installation all these parking spots are set off so there's no nobody parking mm-hmm. there and they can be doing all hundred thousand in like a couple of days because they just work in the area and mm-hmm. go, go, go. But then, like, after three years, the first one drops out of. And then people say, well, that's only one. Let's forget it. And then after a couple of months, another one. And then as soon as we have a 1% down rate or 2% mm-hmm. or 5%, at some time, you have to make a decision, do I going to replace only ones that are broken now? And or as soon everything. as you start doing that, then actually you have one full-time employee that's running around yeah. fixing, like, all the small leaks in the ship. Mm-hmm. And you have a system that is not reliable as, as because yeah, if true. you have like five percent downtime like people are not yeah. trusting the system anymore no. and then it's done or you say well i replace them all at the same time again but then you have to clear the whole street up uh, all, everything has to be gone because you have to do it in, so it doesn't it's work. a nightmare yeah yeah so we say for those kind of actually solutions there it makes makes sense to use um, energy harvesting i mean why should you take like like a backpack of energy for five years of of energy or food mm-hmm. with you as a sensor i mean yeah. it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense there's a lot of energy to be found around you. I mean, we're looking at temperature, movement, uh, but also light, just good old solar energy. And what you see in those directions is that solar energy is already around 20 years old now. It got really, really efficient. So when the old days, uh, the efficiency of a solar panel is really, really low and payback time is long. Yeah. You now have really efficient solar cells that actually start working uh, at around 200 lux. 200 lux? Um, you can. It's a, it's a scale of light uh, mm-hmm. where you have outside you have a couple of thousand. Uh, inside an office building you normally have about 800. Uh, underneath your desk normally can be found an amount of 200 lux of light. And then the sensor has enough power. And then our solution actually generates already enough power to start powering uh, a sensor. So then it's really never having to use. That's the story. Yeah. Batteries again. But but yeah. you said like light. Uh, okay, so it's solar energy. But how big is this? Because if it's like uh, the size of an A4 sheet of paper, then it's correct. That's the other thing. Uh, actually, the batteries that are used for five years are better, are bigger than our solution for solar energy. We are talking about uh, like seven square centimeters, which is like two centimeter by three and a half centimeters. SD card or like uh, something mm. a, a big SD card. Yeah. So that's the size where we were talking about. And so it has some internal storage as well. So mm-hmm. it actually needs only four hours of light a day to, to uh, bridge yeah, a, a gap or 24 it. hours or something like that. And it has all kinds of upsides. And it, it, yeah. So it's cheaper, it's uh, smaller. It's smaller. 
and it's more durable, I guess, because battery waste better for the environment. But, yeah, yeah, because if you yeah, we're, we're talking about like, let's just put some sensors in the field, but if you're going to replace or going to place sensors in every parking spot, I'm not sure how many parking spots will will there be in a city like Rotterdam. Uh, I have no idea. A couple of fifty thousand. Uh, like let's that. say fifty thousand. Then you have fifty thousand batteries every five years. So it's like at, after ten years, you have one hundred thousand batteries or, or more that are have to be recycled yeah. as well, which That's also don't have to be done. And then if you look at predictions of how IoT sensors actually will grow in the in the coming future, uh, it makes sense that this solution actually we started it off as as research for ourselves. We had a couple mm -hmm. of business cases from clients that couldn't be fixed without this. So mm -hmm. those were business cases that uh, were either a no-go or we had mm -hmm. to use some kind of energy harvesting in these solutions um, uh, that actually triggered us to do our own research so we, we spent mm -hmm. a year and a half actually in fine-tuning this we're actually now in on two patents on the on the solution itself mm -hmm. developing it more and more as an OEM product so it can be used in different solutions um, but yeah that it changes a lot so if I if I understand correctly you guys saw a problem with your clients and but but you're in our leaf facility right you could also have said like like okay fine it's your problem not ours like yeah, but for this kind of products, you can imagine that a year and a half research, it, it's really Yeah, because costly. it's a big investment. <laughs> yeah, and uh, especially the risk with this development was such so high. I mean, when we started off, actually, uh, I think like 60, 70% of our engineers internally said that it can be done. So, so you all fired. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, I love those guys. I mean, if people tell me that it can be done, because I'm, I'm not like a true electrical engineer by, by trade. So, I mean, I'm only like enthusiastic. So when I, I shout a lot of things and I need those mm -hmm. guys actually to keep me... Uh, sharp Intact, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I triggered them and said, well, why can it be done? I mean, this backseat of the supply say it can, and this simple math equation say it can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but that's all. okay, let's make a test solution. And then we started at explaining it. So, I mean, for a client, it's, it's uh, it could be, I mean, if a client comes with this kind of questions, it, it, it fits in the work that we do. So if somebody mm -hmm. would, ask, would have asked us the question, we could have done it. People are thinking about IoT as a consumer product, right? The smart fridge, yeah. as we ask you, yeah. Uh, yeah. with alternative facts. But people are thinking about smart products yeah, uh, in in their home, and not really on a on a broader scale, like uh, like the predictive maintenance. No, and so well, well, actually, for us, that's, I mean, that's not even like future. That that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, it's uh, happening right now. Predictive maintenance is like one of the cases where IoT pay for itself. I mean, it makes sense that with a sensor of like uh, twenty euros. If you can manage an installation worth like 20 million, uh, it makes sense to, to just add the sensor and collect the data. I mean, yeah, but there are major business opportunities as well. Like, I, I, like a good example, if you ask me, is like that you have the the sharing the city sharing bikes or the the, mm -hmm. the bike sharing platforms, which are pretty uh, interesting. If you if you could make, I'm not sure they're not connected, right? At this moment, I'm not sure though. I think the, the new one, the O-Bikes are like, no. no, they remember the GPS data of the phone where yeah. it's parked, right? Yeah, true. So in a, in a certain way, they're connected. Yeah, and I love that the O-Bike is a good example because it actually hijacks the public space. Yeah. So it, it, they didn't ask for permission. They just dropped the bikes there. Yeah, but, but they, they're they still here. Actually, they, I'm not sure for how long, but <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, but it's really like those parties, like, and it's not like this is a commercial for O-Bike, which is the bike sharing platform. Yeah, Go to O-Bike.com. They're terrible, right? <laughs> they're use terrible, the, terrible. Use the offer code, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but regardless of the, regardless of the company, it's like, um, I think that's a good example. Like, like the, 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 the Rotterdam or the, the just do it approach. Like, not, it's not Nike, but like, if you no want to, to have these things to be succeeded, just like the things that were just make yourself a, your own router and, and fill it up to the world. I think yeah. that's pretty interesting on, uh, that's on happening. stuff that is that's happening. happening. That's happening. Yeah, that's I mean, interesting, right? You see the bit smart citizen kit, which actually was one of the, in Barcelona, founded, if I believe correctly, uh, 
if I remember correctly, was uh, like a CO2 monitor device to be mm-hmm. a smart citizen, know more about your environment. And uh, in many ways, you see a lot of these things happening. So smart yeah, city as a whole, yeah, I think it's already there in some way and we always have way, way more things to do, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not initiated by the city itself. Just out cur- So I can imagine that there are like two major exa- uh, uh, advantages here. Like on the, w- on the one side, you have some sort of uh, operational uh, benefit that your good, your processes are getting better and better. So you're better than your competitors in a certain way. So you make your, you can turn down costs and stuff like that. But on the other side, you also have a sort of kind of a strategic advantage uh, because you use technology. Like if the O-Bike has a GPS tracker and the other one doesn't have a GPS tracker, I can imagine that the O-Bike has an advantage here because you know where the bikes are. So it's better for their uh, service. Uh, well, with that in mind, like those two advantages, then I'm going to ask you bluntly, uh, uh, what is the next big thing that you guys are working on at Tweetone? Uh, like, <laughs> just share it here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, there's nobody listening, right? So only the three it's of us. So. I can trust you. Yeah, you can trust us. <laughs> no, I mean, um, that's the beauty of actually our research development. We never know actually what the next thing will be as well. I mean, we're always trying like 20 different things at every time, every given moment. Uh, but all, every every Monday we kill like two projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where's the world changer, John? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Now, I, I give you an example. We do this research and most of the time it actually brings us nothing. I mean, it's just rubbish. But some it actually, it comes up with something, but then it's still it's hard to give, to make it uh, something really business interesting. But it's still like more of a really big hobby. Uh, one of these projects actually is Totem. Uh, we started it off a couple of years ago. And it's actually an open source data collection tool for medical grade research. So as well, because they really wanted an ECG monitor, uh, we are now aiming that at around the $10 interval. So you but can imagine- $10, what's the normal price? Uh, like oh, a couple hundred. Yeah, so it's a major cost reduction. Yeah, yeah, it's actually the thing is nobody's making margin and profit on it. And we actually, it's just the bare component prices what the price will detect. But there is no business model behind it. How, how do we make money of it? And we don't. We just uh, decided to put everything fully open hardware and open software, everything mm-hmm. online. Well, it's pretty commercial. interesting that you that you found like a cross uh, sectional. Uh, you had a cross sectional finding as well. Like you said, like we 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 found something in the technology for the heart data, and we put it into the pipes or something. Or yeah. for example, yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the the knowledge that has been that that's needed for these kind of things is really similar to to find mm-hmm. to checking. Yeah. Other vitals. I mean, other veins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually the same thing. I mean, yeah. we're just looking at really small noise uh, in big data. In big right? data. Yeah. So, well, uh, rounding up this uh, podcast uh, already. Then uh, the next question and the last question: What are your ambitious uh, ambitions coming years? Of course, world domination. That was <laughs> always the first thing to we started, and that will yeah. be the, fi- the final one. It does sound pretty Dutch, though, Tweetone. Uh, yeah, that's also true. Uh, so in world domination, there is something involved that we need to go some more <laughs> international. Uh, so we're going to change from Tweetonig, which nobody can pronounce, to uh, TWTG, which is still hard to pronounce. But It sounds legit, though. It sounds it's more international. <laughs> yeah, like EVO Incorporated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we go that direction. So what we see now is that we always, uh, I mean, we will grow also uh, a little bit as well in the coming years, but we not try to be the next uh, Deloitte or big accountancy office with like 1500 people. That's, mm-hmm. that's definitely not us. So mm-hmm. we are focusing more on quality instead of quantity. Um, uh, yeah, we don't know yet what's coming. Okay. I mean, we, have, we have a lot of ambitions, ambi- ambitions uh, to do, but it's 
more in forms of uh, impact with our product. So twist, like uh, eliminating batteries, that's definitely one of our ambitions. And I, I got one last question. If there's a young ap- entrepreneur listening now, wanted to start a business, what is your advice? Uh, stop listening to podcasts <laughs> 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 and just start doing it. This is their lunchtime <laughs> break. Yeah, I know, but uh, yeah. don't take lunchtime. You don't deserve it yet. A very interesting topic and a lot of stuff happening in the realm of Internet of Things. And now we go to our superhero of the week and it's something totally different. Completely different, yeah. Let's uh, Laugans uh, explain and let's dive right in. So this month Superhero is organizing a drift in cinema in the city center of Rotterdam. Yes, not a drive-in, but a drift in cinema. Uh, and he's, his, his name is Laugans van Wezen. Welcome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about your company and about the uh, event and about yourself. Yes, yes, I'm from Rotterdam. Um, I grew up here nearby and I started the company Shark Bite Creative with a friend of mine, Jasper. And we organize events on special locations. And uh, this event is very special, right? It's, uh, it's a drift in cinema. Uh, tell us a, b- a little bit more about, uh, about the origins of this uh, event and how it came to be. Yes, uh, the idea is quite simple. We uh, put a huge screen near a lake and people uh, um, from the water, they watch the movie. They watch the movie Jaws. Uh, it started uh, a year ago, in the beginning of May. It was a sunny afternoon and Jasper and I were uh, having a lunch and thought of organizing an event. And the idea was just put a huge screen on a, on a parking lot with the cars. But that was too simple, it was not So the traditional nice. drive-in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, how could this be more fun and exciting? And then we thought of, okay, let's put, it a, let's put the screen near the water. Now, which water? We're both from Rotterdam, so we thought of Kralingse Plas. Yeah, which is a uh, which is a lake here uh, in in the in the city center of Rotterdam, practically, right? Yeah, true, yeah. true. And then we thought of which movie should we watch, and yeah, it's about the water. Then we thought of Jaws. Why not? So you thought about water, excitement. Yeah, Jaws. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. And yeah, then we thought, okay, who's in? Who dares? Uh, one way to find out: just put it on Facebook. So we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made an event put it on Facebook, we each um, told like 50 friends about the event um, and then we went uh, on a boat, uh, put the phones down, a few hours later put them on and boom. It exploded. It did. Because there were, were like 30,000 people uh, attending the event, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, Within a few hours, uh, yeah. thousands of people were in and then we thought, okay, uh, I think we need to... Need to uh, really uh, uh, organize the event now yeah I can imagine you need a lot of permits if you get if you get people in the water it gets dangerous you need divers etc etc to make it a real event can you tell me a little bit more about that yes after uh, a few days um, the uh, police called us they told us yeah you uh, put an event online but you don't have a permit mm-hmm. uh, so let's have a chat they didn't say immediately that's not possible and now we had a chat with them and um, some other uh, um, people who were involved. And we, for f- like a month or two, uh, we were trying to get a permit and let's see how far we can go with our concept. Um, after two months, 
uh, we had to make the decision it's not possible to do what we want uh, within this short time period. So we said, okay, we're going to organize it next year. So that's going to be this year, this summer, 2017. It was most uh, security reasons for the yes. local government and, and the police. And yes, yes, yeah. You need a lot of security uh, with like a normal festival on the on the land. Um, it's yeah, you need security, and that's about it. Uh, but we need divers, uh, a lot of security in the water. Yeah. Uh, it's quite dangerous. Uh, you people can drown, of course. Yeah. Uh, of course. If you got a drink, yeah, it's it's quite dangerous yeah. for them. Uh, it could be and yeah we had to make sure uh, it's safe enough to uh, for the visitors and that takes a long time and a lot of uh, conversations with uh, all the people and uh, uh, companies that are involved you you didn't start in in events right um you you had a different background true yes my background is more the business it yeah. uh, i had an it company before and together with jasper i uh, was talking about different ideas for starting a new company, mm -hmm. mainly uh, IT focused, and yeah, this came up on a Sunday, uh, sunny afternoon. Yeah, right. So since this podcast is about starting your own business, starting a new business, etc., do you have any uh, tips, ideas for the listener? If people have an idea to start a company, just talk with everyone, get the right team together, and be open for new suggestions and ideas and then you your new company will uh, evolve yeah and maybe succeed hope so <laughs> all right thanks good luck guys i love the enthusiasm in that conversation which you had with lawrence uh, by the way yeah, it's, it's it's great if you if you listen to the concept it's it's absolutely it's brilliant yeah. yeah but before we end up we have some headlines from the news as well uh, and Lawrence, just to kick off if you like an Indian musician kept playing his guitar while surgeons were doing brain surgery on him. Dutch football club PSV fires their eSport player after two days because he showed sympathy for the rival club on Twitter several years ago. Completely bonkers. Two brothers from Italy robbed a bank while wearing Donald Trump masks. A Japanese startup is coming with a device that checks if you stink to prevent your colleagues from having a bad day. That's typical Japanese, thinking about the community. Samsung is adding a auto-reply feature on all their smartphones doing drive mode to prevent texting while driving. Thanks for listening to the Launch Time Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2. Next month we're back with a brand new episode, of course. But first, some special thanks to Lorenzo. Studio three times a day for a wonderful cover artwork. Which is pretty cool. Again, this uh, this month, if I, if I may say so. Uh, secondly, we have to thank uh, CIC, of course, for our wonderful studio space in the city center of Rotterdam. And the Venture Cafe team for their tremendous support. And I want to thank you, Nick. Oh, no, now I feel special.